You're listening to Work Tape, episode 40. Welcome to the Work Tape podcast. It is episode 40, and today we're with Jeff Hall. He is finally back in town. Thanks to Thin Lizzy for telling his appearance. <laughs> the boys are back in town, indeed. We're both back in town, so yeah. <laughs> Bro, you've been um, you've been in the neighborhood. It's cool to have you back. It's been a while. It's been some weeks, months, actually. Thank you for having me. Yes, and uh, your birthday was in spring. They don't need to know your age, but happy belated. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was thinking we can get into some like jazz rock. I know we typically talk about alternative and punk. I mean, we could talk about The Cure too, because I know you like The Cure. Yeah, I've been um, showing you The Cure little by little. The Cure to the Disease of Modern Society. <laughs> the Cure to Bad Music. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, yeah, you've been starting out with the early stuff, and I think you've gotten up to The Head on the Door, which is when they kind of had their breakthrough commercially. And uh, that's a good record to start out with actually i'd say but you started out with the post-punk stuff which is cool too well then it's settled we'll ditch the jazz rock for later and we'll just kind (laughs) of all right settle in our usual post-punk selves because i feel like that definitely fits on like a glove yeah so the cure you showed me the cure and it was my very first time listening through them and i had never done that before i had not much known about robert smith Yep, there's the uh, lead singer and lead songwriter, and occasionally he plays guitar. Occasionally? So, oh, oh, right, right, right. So he typically sings and doesn't play guitar, but every now and then will play guitar. Yeah. Okay. So concerning Robert, isn't he the only original member left? Yeah, he's the only member who's been in every single record since uh, 78, I believe. All the other man members have kind of rotated. Okay, okay. What was their debut album? It was from 70... Was it uh, Was it 8 or 9? I think it was 78. It was uh, Three Imaginary Boys. Three Imaginary Boys. It's got like a pink album cover. I think it has like a washing machine or something on the front cover. Right. And it's the one with uh, Object? Yes, yes. It has Object on it. Yep. Object, Object. There's an Object in my mind. <laughs> yeah. That's a good song. That one sounds totally like entertainment by uh, Gang of Four. Yeah, yeah, it has a lot of uh, a lot of that post-punk sound. That's why I thought it would be good for you to start out with that album. It's more up your alley. Well, I'm gonna butcher the the English accents, but it's a Manchester sound, right? <laughs> I can't even do uh, it. I believe so. <laughs> to me, that's the sound of Manchester, but I could be totally wrong. Manchester United. <laughs> exactly. Public Image Ltd. <laughs> <laughs> Heck, I don't even know if Public Image are from Manchester. I, I got to check my geography yeah, post punk. Where uh, John Lydon is from. It's probably from somewhere over there in England. Okay. I kind of forget how England is very uh, diverse when it comes to like nooks and crannies. They have their dialects and their little suburbs and their, it's almost like states to us. You're right. It's different there, but not really that different. Yeah. I don't know if Gang of Four are from Manchester. I know EE are from the Manchester scene. Okay. Even if they're not from there. And so are the Chameleons. Okay. 
again, you can fact check me on this. I might be wrong, but for the most part, I used to really know the regions pretty well. But concerning the cure, because I know we totally segued like we usually do, Three Imaginary Boys is very, it's, it's pretty eclectic. It's actually a pretty good record. In fact, I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but I think it's in my top three or four that I've listened to from them so far. Okay. It's yeah. pretty good. And then uh, they get into their more alternative goth, I guess, sound with like uh, 17 Seconds. And um, what's that other album? 17 Seconds and Faith. Yeah, those two albums were more experimental when they went more synthesized and more gothy, I guess. Yeah, that one's pretty good. Yeah. That one's pretty good. Your favorite is the <laughs> Blankography. <laughs> That's your favorite one, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a definition of goth album right there. That's That came out in, what, 83, I think? Yeah, their darkest album. That one's pretty good. I told you that I wasn't big on it, but what was the opening track? Because that was a pretty good one. Uh, 100 Years. Okay. 100 Years. This line is like, uh, it doesn't really matter if we all die. Yep. It's like a very, kind of sets the tone for the whole album. Yeah, that one's pretty good. Okay, so I just checked it out. It's 1982. You're right there. The thriller year. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're fine. You're fine. Uh, Which one? I'm thinking, oh, Killing Joke. Totally sounds like Killing Joke. And very industrial. Yeah, a lot of heavy drum tracks and like uh, almost like tribalistic drums. Yeah, it sounds like the stuff that would influence like Nine Inch Nails. Maybe nothing that busy, but the the aggression and kind of the yeah. really dark and depressing sound that Nine yes. Inch Nails, yeah, and a lot of those new metal bands would take on. Yeah, they definitely uh, gave a lot of inspiration to them for sure on that album. Yeah, that one's good. 17 Seconds, I think, is in my top three. That one, yeah. That one's got some good tracks on it. I think uh, A Forest is on there. Mm-hmm. Forest, yep. That's the one that I like. Yeah. <laughs> you knew that already. That's a already. good song. Yep, <laughs> yep. That's a very good song. And Faith, I think Faith is kind of overlooked. It's got some good tracks on there, but it's overlooked. Yeah, I think that's the one where it was a little bit dry for me. I need to listen to it again, but I thought it was pretty good. But I don't think it was on the level of 17. No, definitely not. Yeah, it was not, in my opinion. It wasn't on the level of 17. Three Imaginary Boys is pretty good. Uh, It's in my favorites. It's just not my top. But it has a lot of really good tracks. Yeah. And then the one... Oh, (laughs) the one that we both mutually thought was garbage was the top. Yes, the top is regarded as one of the worst Cure albums ever made. By fans. So the top is the Cure's bottom, for sure. The top is the Cure's bottom, that's for sure. <laughs> that makes sense. But there is a couple of good tracks that came out of it. Like you like, um, was it Shake Dog Shake? Or no, you like um, Birdman. Yeah, you know what's funny? Because I would repeatedly call it Birdman. <laughs> and I, it was like Bird Mad. <laughs> oh, okay. It's okay because we both think the record's kind of like eh. But Bird Mad Girl, which is... Dude, I don't know what they were on for this record. It definitely has the weirdest names out of all of them. Yeah, it's a very strange album. Like Banana Fishbones, you told me about that track. Yeah, <laughs> that's a weird one. But uh, yeah, Birdman Girl's pretty good. Reminds me of The Clash, you know, that kind of vibe. Yeah. Very groovy. It's got some hidden gems on it, a couple. But 
overall, it was very, very poorly received by fans and critics alike. Yeah, I, I definitely understand. You told me that with that album, they were going through some crazy changes with the band members. Yeah, I believe the one of the band members left and Robert Smith was, uh, I think he was experimenting with psychedelic drugs at the time. And it was just like a lot of a lot of stress among the band. And they were just doing whatever they could to try and come up with an album. And they came up with that. And it was not terrible in terms of the cure and the rest of their albums, but not terrible in, in terms of like music. Yeah, that would do it. <laughs> but then the next year they released the head on the door and that was like their commercial breakthrough. So I guess it paid off for them to make a flop and then come out on top. Oh, that's the real top. Yeah, so Head in the Door is the one that you told me was uh, really good. Yeah, that's one of the best albums. And it just gets better from there. Head on the Door, and then you got Disintegration. Or, or actually, no, Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me. Then Disintegration. And then it gets into the 90s era of The Cure, which is I, one of my favorite eras of The Cure. I like the 90s. I like Wish. Was it... Uh, Okay, yeah, the Yellow album, which is uh, Wild Mood Swings, came out in 96. It's a great album. Got a lot more instrumentation on it, a lot more uh, exotic sounds. That's what I always like about The Cure. They always throw in like one of those exotic kind of tracks on their albums, which is really cool. They always have a kind of Arabian sound. They did a little bit of that experimentation with the top. And then moving forward, would you say they kind of became even more experimental after that? Yeah, definitely. They added a lot more uh, unique sounding instruments that you would normally find in like a pop song or like a even like a rock song. They add some like sitar or like almost like what the Beatles did when they, they went to India and experimented with all the sitar sounds. Yeah, the Beatles did a huge 180 with their sound. I mean, yeah, eh, not as aggressive as a 180 as I guess one might think, but aggressive enough of a turn to make it sound pretty different from their earlier stuff because they really went through some crazy evolution. Yeah. But The Cure, I have to say, their evolution is, it's interesting to say the least. You know, I don't think I'm pretty traditionalist when it comes to bands like The Cure. Like, I've, I've always said this, like, if they're from the 70s, and I mean, like, generally, I don't mean, like, they, you know, debuted in, like, 77, 78, and then going into the 80s is good. I think typically 80s bands did not sound good in the 90s. But see, that's an opinion of mine. And that's mostly with the hair metal scene. I just... Yeah. I think you and I kind of talked about that. We're not really that big on it, which I think would be really cool to talk about hair metal. Not going to lie. Like, I'm kind of game for that. The 90s is not a good era for hair metal. Well, it was kind of obsolete because of grunge, you know? So no one really cared. No offense. It just kind of was reality. Yeah. I think if there was one band that could kind of pull off that sound, it would have been GNR. But I never really kept up with GNR during the 90s. So I would need to kind of, you know, reel it back a little bit. Yeah. But with The Cure, I'm not really big on alternative bands in the 80s into the 90s. The same goes for you too, but I feel like I should give those bands a little bit more of a chance or or the church. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the alternative bands of post-punk, but not the alternative bands like Husker Du and Sonic Youth. Yeah. I thought they sounded pretty good in the 90s. I like the the 70s bands that went into the 90s, like the alternative side. I like the church in the 90s. I like uh, The Cure in the 90s. I, I think that all sounds pretty cool. 
I like to hear how their um, sound evolved and how they kind of evolved with the times. Yeah, it was weird because they had a lot of bands that were doing such a different thing than what they were doing. And so it's not that it was really even bad in the 90s. I just felt like the U2-esque and the uh, Killing Moon is a song, sorry, Echo and the Bunnymen. Yeah. Bands like that in the 90s, I think, pale in comparison to what they were doing in the 80s. And so that's why I've been a little bit rude toward 90s U2. Hmm. When I probably shouldn't be that rude at all. I'm just kind of like, eh, you can't top Unforgettable Fire. You can't top War or Boy. That's true, yeah. You can't top Starfish. Yeah, yep. Starfish was under the Milky Way, man. You got, can't top that. Yeah, I mean, if anything, those type of 80s alternative bands, they sounded just fine, you know, 70s going into the 80s, right? Yeah. But I feel like by the 90s, I'm like, eh. You know, I'd much rather listen to Nine Inch Nails or uh, Moby, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> or Junkie XL, you know, because um, I noticed a lot of those, uh, the European, the UK house and electronic, there's a lot of post-punk energy in their music. And I like it. Hmm. So I don't think post-punk died. Heck, we got Interpol and the Killers. So clearly post-punk was not here to like just die and fizzle out. It definitely stayed with us. Yeah, it made a comeback. It made a comeback, yeah. But sometimes I'm like, wow, the 90s, like, who was listening to post-punk in the 90s? Yeah, that's a good question because it was kind of like a underground at that point. Yeah, it was weird. It was, well, I think it was probably more on the surface, maybe in the 70s, come to think of it, because television, talking heads, you know, they really helped that out. Yeah. But you know what would be great is we can segue into that later and we can even talk about more like, you know, the ending part of The Cure for another episode because we're short on time. This is going to be a shorter episode than usual. But uh, yeah, Jeff, I think it'll be cool to have you back for the next one and we can get into the jazz rock, do what we normally do. Yeah, hopefully I'll uh, have some more info to talk about. Uh, You always do. I don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy because you realize that you're not crazy. Yeah. Actually, I take that back. Everyone's a little bit crazy, right? Yeah, I'm a little <laughs> bit crazy. Everyone's crazy. But yeah, that kind of wraps up today's episode. Episode 40. Very anticlimactic, but very honest. We love alternative. But we like other stuff too. So we look forward to having more people on the show, whether you guys are famous or nobodies like us. and Like me. <laughs> yeah, we love nobodies because we are nobodies. It's, it's chill, right? Yeah. But Jeff, thanks for being here. We'll have you back next episode. We'll talk about that stuff that we talked about. And I'll see you later, man. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. Dude, always, man. It's always it's great to have you back. Thank you. Not a problem. We will be with you guys next week. Take it easy. Bye.